The Credible Nerds present The Fourth Taviran, a Wheel of Time podcast, with your hosts, Justin and Mark. Where next? The two rivers. There are rumors of four Taviran there. All the right age. The old blood runs deep in those mountains. Let's hope it's prepared them for what's coming. Well, Wheel of Time fans, the, the time has finally come. The, the moment we've been waiting for for quite some time. Uh, as longtime fans, we've been reading the books for a number of years, decades for some. And we've always had the the live action series going on in our mind while we're reading. And then when they announced that they're finally adapting the, the books to a live action series, we were all excited. It's probably been a couple of years since they announced it. And it's finally here uh, last Friday, November 19th, the first three episodes of the wheel of time series on Amazon prime finally debuted after a couple of trailers, a lot of short character moments that were released on video and even the first couple minutes or some of the first couple minutes of the first episode were released online. And we've talked about those on previous podcasts, the trailers. So check out those. You can go back and listen to what our predictions are and see how close we were. I listened to the, the reaction to that first official trailer, the non-teaser trailer. I listened to that recently and we were pretty spot on with some things and then other things we just weren't. And we'll get into why we weren't a little bit later, but um, so yeah, here we are, the Wheel of Time. This is the fourth Taviran podcast. My name is Justin, and I have my fellow Taviran with me. I have the gambler with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? And we got a sheep herder, Kyle. <laughs> hey, how's it going, guys? We have our panel here. We've all seen the show recently, and we have varying thoughts. So we've been texting back and forth about different things. And so we all have stuff we want to say about this show. Uh, first off, let's get into just kind of the overall feel of the episode as far as like the deep, the technical details. You know, is it well directed? Is it well written? Well acted? You know, those type of things is the special. How are the special effects? You know, this kind of the overall feel. Do we buy into this world that we're being presented? Is it something that we can believe in? And for you, Mark, what are you thinking as far as just the overall feel of this first episode, this introduction to the Wheel of Time? Uh, yeah, I like the look of it. You know what I mean? Um, you can kind of see the different areas um, from the very first scene, you know, with Moraine Ma- and Lan and, um, you know, the Reds hunting down, you know, the, the guy. And, you know, you can definitely see there's a difference in area, you know, so I like that. That doesn't look like uh, we filmed around the block and then came over here and filmed, you know. Um, so that's really good. I think that uh, overall, as far as what I wanted from the actors, as far as their attitude, I'd probably give it a, a seven, you know, um, from that. And, and a lot of that has to do, I think, and we'll get into that, is the rewrite of some of the characters, kind of how they redid them and, so it wasn't really matching what I've always had in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, overall, I mean, I, th- I think it was pretty good, uh, you know, with, you know, ran with, you know, him and his father living far away and coming out of the mountains kind of thing. I, I liked that feel could really see that, 
you know, that they're part of this Emmons field, but they're not in it. You know, they don't live right in it. Um, uh, I think the one downfall for me that that really kind of took away from all that as far as acting and character casting and whatever is Matt's dad, right? And mom. That was a, that was a pretty disappointment for me. Um, I don't know how technical that is, but uh, that was probably the one thing that took away from all that for me, you know, as far as the the casting and stuff, that was the worst part of it. But other than that, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'd give a solid seven out of 10. Okay. Yeah, definitely. There was some great cinematography, um, great locations that they used for the two rivers, the mountains of mist. You really got that sense. They were isolated out in the middle of nowhere you know, not much contact with the outside world. You definitely got that sense with that, with the, what we saw. So I, I like that as well. Uh, for you, Kyle, what are you thinking as far as those type of technical aspects of this first episode? Um, I think from, I agree with you, Mark. Uh, I think from a cinematography perspective, it was really good. You know, I mean, the, the environments, the, the set, I mean, it was beautiful. I think the production value um, that that they put together, I think, you know, in, in my mind, they they did recreate Emmons Field pretty well, right? They created the the you know the be them being isolated in the mountains of it's just like what you said, Mark. Um, and so if I separate it from the wheel of time books and kind of focus on this is a new experience. This is kind of a new story. Then I can appreciate it a lot more, you know, to Mark's point, they did change some things that just made me feel that, I mean, they just weren't kind of how I had always imagined it. And I feel like they may detract from the story downstream and we we can talk about that later, but, um, my opinion is if is if you're looking at it and viewing it as a new story, not necessarily one that um, is driven by the books, maybe inspired by the books, then I think you you enjoy it a lot more. And so, uh, as far as like a rating goes, though, I I'd agree with you, Mark. I might go maybe a six, a six out of ten. It was okay. I had some fantastic special effects, cinematography, environment creating beautiful right but from a story perspective i think they they could have done a little bit better okay yeah um you bring up a good point kyle um you know this is the wheel of time so i think when they first announced it and they're starting showing trailers we're all thinking it's going to be pretty similar to the books i don't think anybody ever expected you know word for word page for page chapter for chapter translation into a a show so and i've seen that we've all been uh kind of looking at some reviews and we've seen that criticism where someone says well it isn't like that in the book and myself included um i've posted things on twitter um, about that and people respond well what do you want a word for word trans translation this is an adaptation this isn't a straight thing you know and it's like of course we know that you know, it's just, but when you start changing the fundamental storyline, the fundamental characteristics of a character, how much adapting are you going to do down the line? You know, and I understand they got to change things up to move the story along, things like that. 
Well, sort of, though. I mean, look at Game of Thrones, right? Look at uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are successful uh, movie and series that, that followed the storyline really well. You know, I mean, yeah, they changed things, sure, but they weren't fundamentally changing characters. They weren't fundamentally changing the attitude of a town. They weren't, fun, you know, they weren't doing that kind of changing. That's like, I, I don't know. I mean, the comparison would be like uh, Ned Stark is a drunk who sells horses. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just such a silly thing, you know, to change something, you know, like Matt's parents. And, um, I don't know. Uh, Yes, it is an adaptation. I understand that. No, we're not going to get this word for word. We're not going to get scene for scene. Everyone understands that. We have to have something that resembles the story pretty evenly and general character build. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's really what it comes down to for my attitude against it. When I talk about it, it's like, you're right, I get it. But Let's get real. We, we have to try to stick to the story, too. There's a reason this is so successful. You know, if, if Rafe, Rafe wanted to make a book this amazing, he probably would have, but he didn't. He's making an adaptation of it. So make a good one. I mean, that's what I think, anyway. I, I mean, I agree with you, Mark. I think it's the story is the story, right? And I think, you know, the, the casting decisions, that, that's, I mean, to me, yeah, there's some things that I might disagree with, but all in the same breath, that, that's not a huge deal for me, you know? For me, it was, the big deal is the story. Let's stick with the story, right? And while, yeah, I mean, I understand, I, I, I don't want a word-for-word thing either. I mean, I get we've got to squish this into a, an episode, you know, driven format, but at the end of the day, fundamentally changing people's character arcs throwing in characters that really kind of make no difference at all i mean you know example perrin's perrin's apparent wife that gets fridged in this episode right yeah it's just why i just i just don't understand why i i think it's uh and I, i it sounds like we're kind of starting off with kind of some of the criticism here but and I don't want that to distract from the overall cinematography and, and I mean, the, the production that went into this. Again, I think it's beautiful, but I think they really dropped the ball on the storyline. I just think they, they made some unnecessary changes that I think may, may detract from the story downstream. Right. Yeah. And I think as experienced Wheel of Timers who have read this, the books you know, all 15 of them multiple times, you're, you go in with certain expectations, willing to give some leeway. But if you come away disappointed, that's, that's kind of a problem. I think and it, it might not be a problem for some, and it looks like some people just are preferring the show to the books, the way they're talking and uh, posting things. Like, for example, um, I posted on our Twitter account, something about um and this i think this is in a future episode i think episode two but why are they killing why are they using bats instead of the rats from the story and people just went off on that it's like well, why does it matter if the story you know at the end of the day it's still the same story and for me it's the it's the details that matter it's the little details the little things that add slowly add up to create 
a connection to the story that we already know. And it'd be nice if all the big things were the same, but I don't think they're going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of big changes. And if you're going to make these big story changes, these little story connections need to be there. Like what if there wasn't a heron on the heron mark sword? What if it was a seagull? Or what if it was Matt and his blue hand band, his band of the, the blue hand or whatever it's called, right? Yeah. What, what if, what if Rand's hair, hair was, or, you know, like any other color, purple, yeah. not red, you know, what it, it, it's like, you're right. It doesn't matter what color Rand's hair is in the end of the day in the grand scheme of things, but there's a 14, 15 book series and decades into this that matters. You can't, you can't pretend that it doesn't. Yeah. And I mean, I, I agree. I just, I think it's, they had an opportunity to, to create something similar to the Lord of the Rings adaptation or the Game of Thrones adaptation, right? And while I think the production value is there to do it, the environment creating is there to do it, from a storyline perspective, I think they dropped the ball. Or, I mean, said otherwise, they just made a different decision. They decided that they were not going to adhere to the story and they're going to create their own story. And for me, if I, you know, for me to enjoy it, I have to shift my thinking to that, to, to say, this is not really the wheel of time. This is a different story, right? And that's disappointing for me as a, as a big fan of the books, right? I mean, that, that's unfortunate. Um, but if I shift my thinking and say, yeah, I can, I can appreciate this for the new story that it could be, right? or the, the beautiful special effects and everything else like that, that helps. But as a fan of the books, um, it's not the books. And I don't think it will be with some of the changes they made, so. Right. And I think uh, we started off kind of negative. I don't think it's negative. I th just think it's, it's something that needs to be addressed, right? Because we go into it, you know, it's not like they gave us a lot of clues as to, Oh, this is going to be different. Prepare yourselves. It's like all of a sudden, okay, here you go. Here's a story that's different from what you've read for the past 20, 30 years. So it, it does take a minute to adjust to that. And this is kind of like a therapy session, right? It's like, we, we have these issues that we got to get off our chest. We got to have a group therapy session and talk about it and see where we're at with all of this. Right? So if it sounds like we're being negative and we kind of are, we're being critical, but we're not saying we hate the show. You know, none of us have said that we're said, Hey, this isn't like the books and it may take us, you know, four five, six episodes to get past that. Maybe we don't get past that, but it doesn't mean we're fans. So, and I think Kyle, you bring up a good, a good point is we're going to look at it from the lens of the books. Cause that's been our wheel of time world for the past 20 plus years, but we're also going to, so we're going to compare it to the books inevitably that's going to happen, but we're also going to review and talk about the show as it is as it stands for what the show brings to the table so we're going to kind of have two perspectives as we go throughout these wheel of time series review uh, episodes where we're going to have hey this is how it is in the books here's how it's matching or not matching in the show so just for our listeners that's going to be there and we're not saying we hate it maybe we will in episode six maybe episode six or seven is just terrible and we're like okay we're done with it but we're not there yet. So bear with us. Um, so 
we've the first thing we've talked about are some of these character changes. Um, Matt brought Mark brought up um, Matt's dad, Abel Cawthon. He's a, a loser, basically, right? He's he's a drunk. His wife's a drunk. He's womanizing and um, not taking care of his family, which is a complete departure from what we saw in the books. I mean, he was a stand-up guy and very honorable. And maybe that's his character arc. Maybe later on down the road, he changes. But for now, he's this loser guy. And then, Kyle, you brought up Perrin's wife, a new character who we hear like a couple of words from her and then she's killed. So what, what are some of these character changes that are good for the show? And what are some of that are, are not so good? What do you think, Mark? Good. Give me a second. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think one character development that I liked, and we didn't know who it was until later in the later episodes. So I, it doesn't really give any Leandrin. I think we see a little bit out of Leandrin here, right? Right at the beginning. She's the red. Um, that was something kind of cool to me because we don't really see a lot of her too much in the books at this early. Yeah, especially this so early. Kind of, yeah, so that, that, was, that was pretty neat, uh, you know, as far, uh, you know, for me. Um, it's, yeah, as far as the character art goes, it's tough. Land, Land's kind of what I would imagine as far as attitude-wise, you know, for the most part. I think he's pretty spot on. Maureen is about what I could envision her. I, I think I envisioned her almost sounding a little bit more girly, right? Not so mature, but that was just in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt's pretty close. Uh, I mean, we only, only saw a few. Um, as far as the better one i would say maybe perrin we got a little bit more out of of what he's like than in the book when you really get like because he's so quiet in the first book or two um really so we get a little bit out of him which was neat you know some you know levity and things like that i think my biggest negative as far as the character goes from what i saw in episode one was how do you guys say this naive 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 was naive um and the reason was because it felt forced in the movie like we all know that naive is this negative attitude bullish you know super stubborn etc 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 but in the movie it just felt like it was almost too much it was overboard it was like oh we've got to create this character that matches this kind of attitude in the book and then they went a little too far with it, mm. you know, cause it was like every, every time you talk to her, it's like a fight, every, you know, thing she says. And it's just like, okay, lady, calm down. Like you're going to stand, a warder comes in, you're going to stand up with your hand on your little four, four inch knife. Like, come on, you know, it just, it's just silliness to me. And that was probably the biggest negative. Um, but I think, you know, biggest positive, definitely. I, I saw some good things out of parent that, that I am going to enjoy. Yeah. Okay. What about for you, Kyle? What are some some surprises, I guess, or disappointments? I think so. From a characterization perspective, they they nailed Pot on Fame. Definitely, right? Yes. Pot on Fame is spot on. Just the smile is spot on. I mean, it was like, yes, the guy can play Pot on Fame. Holy cow! It's perfect. 
And so, like, I think they knocked out of the park with that guy, and I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, agree with you, Mark. Um, Lan is about what I expected. I Moraine for me is actually kind of right around what I was what I was expecting from a from an interaction perspective. She's a she. I think she does she does pretty well. Um, Rand, I love. I think Rand the 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 actor that plays Rand did pretty well. Matt 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 was okay. And I mean, I, I mean, I guess we all know that he's being recast in season two, which is kind of interesting, but, um, and then we'll get to that, I'm sure. But uh, I have to agree with you, Mark, Nynaeve was, was tough for me. And, and I, and she, you know, like you mentioned is, you know, a very, you know, a very bold, you know, forthright person. And, and I, you know, I, I love that about her in the books. But to your point, it, it felt forced. It felt forced in the episode. And it, um, I think it could have been better. I think you, there's a way to be bullish and, and, and forthright and commanding without being, without it sounding like you're really, really trying to make it sound so, you know? And so she was, she was a bit of a letdown. Egwene was actually, I, I was pretty happy with mm-hmm. Egwene, right? I didn't think I would be. I didn't think I would be with you know some of the the casting decisions, but I thought she I think she did a great a great Egwene, right? And I liked the dynamic between her and Rand. The other thing that that I thought was interesting is how they aged up all the characters, right? In the books, they're they're much younger, right? And I mean here in the in the in the episodes, they they seem uh, much older, right? You know they're they're having I don't want to say more adult conversations, but it's they, more they're they're much more grown up, more more mature, yeah. And so, um, I, I I didn't think that I'd be okay with it, but I, I'm actually kind of warming up to the idea. I think that it's kind of an interesting take, and it's a it's a departure from the books that you know. While you know, I'm a big book fan of of how the story reads. That you know, I think it is interesting and could play out well. So. That's kind of my take there. Yeah, I didn't have much problem with that either. I think it's a natural progression. Uh, I think the ages are about the same, pretty close. It's just their maturity level. Because, you know, Matt, he comes across as this, you know, 13-year-old in the first few chapters until he finds the knife. Um, and here he's he's more mature, probably because of his home situation. He has to be more responsible, which I under, it it made sense in the context of the show, but I don't really like that. He's not this, you know, rogue goofball kind of guy that we all fell in love with or really connected to when we read the story in the, in the, in the books, but I understand it makes sense in the context of the show, why he's like that. So Uh, characters, I think you guys said it all. Um, The introduction of Leandrin chasing down, the the guy who could channel um that was just seemed it's interesting because in the in the books you read that first prologue about loose theron going crazy and then you jump forward and there's this huge disconnect You're like where where did that come from and then in the story it's a different scene but it still it left me with the same feeling like okay here's these reds chasing out this guy and they gentle him and then you're done with it it's like okay <laughs> You know, it just seemed out of place. I, I think it belongs in the story, but 
but like for the first thing that you see in the whole series it just it doesn't fit for me it's just weird a weird place to put that we start out then we go switch to the scene where it's the women's circle and they push um moraine into or not more they push eggween into the the river and that's their women's circle initiation Uh, i didn't mind seeing that either but based on the rest of the episodes i've seen it doesn't really fit i mean why do we have to see basically the first 10 minutes are just i don't know unnecessary i don't want to say unnecessary because i think they have context but do we really need to see those things (laughs) <laughs> no it's pretty unnecessary and it, and the reason i think it's unnecessary is because it doesn't make sense like these kids grew up in this town and uh you know small town one nobody's ever heard of such a thing like nobody mentioned like you might you're gonna get pushed in the water and the second thing she's like drowning in this water like and doesn't know how to like swim or something she grew up in this town and she's never jumped in this river. It's just this hidden river and two rivers that can only be accessed through the women's circle through this initiation process. Just like, I, I mean, I got why they did it. Okay, cool. You're becoming a woman and it's flow down the river, whatever it is, but it just seems so silliness, you know? So like, here's this ritual that we want to try to make you feel like this, this small town when in reality it it just doesn't add up you know logically to me you know that that it was such a mystery like what was going to happen like i don't know it just is like one of those things that i just couldn't get into i i didn't enjoy and it and it's also just so weird to me too with the town rewrite you know like the attitude of the town i mean in the books and i i'm going to compare it to the books i'm a hardliner i am And uh, I mean, in the books, it was such a conservative town, old conservative town. And this is anything but an old conservative town. So why are they off in a woman's circle braiding each other's hair? That does not. That doesn't match. That is not. Yeah, that doesn't match at all for things like that. But I mean, those are just things that pop out in my mind that were like unnecessary rewrites. Mm -hmm. I think them pushing Moraine or them pushing Egwene into the river is a way to show her how to channel the power later on. Cause they do bring it up in different episodes later on, but <laughs> a couple things, that's not how women learn how to channel. They don't um, jump. They don't try to control the river or float along with the river. That's, that's Saidine, that's the male half, right? And so I don't know, maybe they're trying to simplify that both men and women use the same metaphor to access the power, just kind of simplify it. But I don't know, it just seemed out of place, like I said before. Well, and even Leandrin, that's one thing that, oh man, I'm, I'm gonna just like release a floodgate here at the very beginning when Leandrin was like, you you're accessing the power and that belongs to me. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, you should know they're separate powers. Like that in the book, it literally talks about that in the first 50 pages, you know, that they're separate powers. They are not access. And so for her to be all upset that you're using this power that belongs to me, it's like, but did, did you forget how the world works or something like that? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. So that anyways, yeah. I will uh, <clears throat> move on. 
So with, and along the power, along the lines of the power, there's this idea that the dragon reborn can be reborn as a woman. Um, and I don't think that aligns with the rest of the story. It doesn't make sense. Um, cause the dragon went mad by using a tainted sidine and that's what led him to go crazy. And that's why he died. So the dragon is going to be reborn as a man again. And that's why they're worried about him. If they think that she, the dragon is going to be reborn as a woman, then what's the problem? He's not going to go, the dragon's not going to go mad. He's not going to destroy the world again because the woman will be able to access Sidar, which is clean. So what's, what's the big deal? Right. And I mean, even in all the prophecies, it's like he, he will break the world. He will, you know, he's going to, to break and rebuild. He's going to, you know, remove alliances, you know, essentially he's going to tear everything down and we see him do that in the books. Right. And it just, yeah, it doesn't make sense that that would happen with one who channels Sidar. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it yeah. kind of isn't, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, and I, I get, again, I get why they, they did that. Right. And that's, they're they're I think they're trying to they're trying to tell a little bit different story that that appeals to that appeals to the the market at large nowadays you know but that's the thing is it's it's a different story and that's what I have to keep telling myself it's a different story and am I okay with the different story and for me to enjoy it I have to tell myself yeah yeah I'm okay with the different story I just have to separate the two in my mind, right? Because otherwise I, I, I keep falling down the path. I'm like, well, that's not right. That's not right. And oh my gosh, why do they do that? You know? And so. Yeah. And they, the, the reasoning they use is, well, it's another turning of the wheel. This is a different third age than what we read about in the books. <laughs> Which is, for me in my mind, that's just a big excuse to do what they want to do. So, but like you said, um, are we, we just have to accept it because we, we can't change it. The show has been shot, produced, released. It is what it is at this point. So, yeah. So once again, welcome to our group therapy session. <laughs> we talk, yep. talk about our anxieties of the wheel of time and identify thinking errors or something like that. Right. But uh, so, yeah, there's some things that bug us. Um, then there's things that we really like. Uh, would you guys think about the, the Trollock attack on, on Emmons Field? Uh, that's something that we didn't see or read about in the books, right? The Rand and his dad come to town and then they go back for the night like they did in the show. So here you go, there you go. That matches up with the show or with the books. Um, they go back home to their cabin in the woods on their sheep farm and then when they come back, the attack has already happened. But here in the show, we see the attack happen. We see the Trollocs invade. We see uh, the Two Rivers folk, the Emmons Fielders fight back. And what Moraine does with the power, what Land does with his sword and his warder moves. So I thought that was pretty awesome. What did you guys think about the Trollocs? You know, how do they come across to you? And how is this battle that we didn't get to read about in the books? What do you think, Kyle? 
I thought the Trollocs were amazing. I think they really nailed the Trollocs. I loved seeing the battle. I think they really pulled that off. That went really well. Um, the Trollocs and how they how they interacted and how they essentially attacked the town was was awesome, right? I mean, it, it's a terrible event. It's it, you know, it's awful to to witness, right? But but from a from a cinematography perspective and the the way that they did that, I thought it went really, really well. And then, I mean, you got to see, oh, what's his name? Narg, right? Is that his name? Is that the Trollocs name that, that goes and gets yep. Rand? Or yep. tries to get Rand? Yeah. And so you got to see him and they nailed that. I mean, it was the wolf head. He didn't talk. I was really hoping he would talk, right? I know. What's the but big deal? Talk. Just give him one and line. So, like, hey, you. <laughs> I'm I know. Tell you, I you know. Something. Oh, oh, I just I want I wanted to hear him talk, but that's okay. That's okay, right? I really like, um, and I, yeah, I really like seeing a Tam fight. Like, that was cool. And uh, seeing his heron marked blade, right? That was really fantastic. And so, and to sum up, I thought the battle in Emmons Field, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, and then the way they represented how Moraine fought, right? With how she would, it wasn't just magic, just happening right she was weaving right you could see her weaving and it took time to weave right and make things happen which i thought was perfect right it's not just boom there's lightning and holy cow there's fire right no she had to take time to weave and make these things happen right and so i thought that was that was really great the way that they represented the weaves was fantastic but all in the same you know long and the short of it is the Trollocs, I think they really nailed. And that battle was really good. Okay. What about for you, Mark? Okay. Let me whip out my long list of laundry. No, um, I'm going to get a little technical here on both sides. Overall, that scene was pretty freaking amazing, right? I mean, the whole thing about it. Got to see land in action while Rain's throwing awesome, you know, weaves everywhere you know doing her thing and um we you know we gotta see rand under attack and stuff trollocks i liked them the one thing i don't like it like about the, the only detractor for me about the trollocks is that when it shows them running it has i i think werewolves right i don't think yeah there was a couple that would get on all fours and run like werewolves yeah yeah and it was kind of so that was kind of throwing me off but uh overall great i'd give them a 10 but because narg did not speak i give them a 1.2 and uh <laughs> um, like i said the, the little things matter they add up the, listen there is twenty thousand pages or something like that there's a ton of stupid pages in this book right i mean you're talking the black book the white book all the books you know the prequel there's a lot of pages and only one stupid time do we ever see a trollock talk ever and it was right here and everyone wanted it and that is so widely known and to not put that in as an entertainment value to it to your customers was such a takeaway for me you know it, it does nothing for the story let's get real no they did nothing for the book but the fact that it happened it, it needed to happen in the book or the movie it needed to didn't take it away, but I, I thought they were good. Um, Lan, great. 
it was awesome watching him move and cut everything down just like we expected it to. I don't know if they're going to get more technical with this, but his moves weren't as smooth as you read about in the book. I agree. Like when I imagine, you know, like, what is it? Apple blossoms or, you know, like boar rushes down the mountain or swimming fish through, through the light pond or, I mean, I, that one, last one's made up, but that is smooth movements. And I was not feeling that when I was watching him move, he seemed more of just like this barbarian brute chopping everything down that came in as opposed to like a samurai. Right. Uh, is, and that's kind of what I've imagined just a smooth master at work as opposed to just this powerful giant, you know? And so that was the one thing that took away, even though it was awesome as a technical value, that was there. The weaving was cool. Watching her, the, the lightning part when she brought the lightning down, like I like peed my pants a little bit, changed them, you know, and, and then yeah. peed some more later. It, it was good. Yeah. It, it was really cool. As a technical value, Moraine can't cast uh, earth, earth weaves like that. You know, when right. she took like ripped half the buildings apart and stuff, I'm like, that's pretty freaking awesome. But that's incorrect. She can't. She's not that strong in in it. Um, and then the second part, as a technical value, was when she had that trollock throw that knife at her and hit her. Right? Look. Yeah. Uh, that was those things. Yeah. <laughs> one, it's mean, but like she's human. She gets hurt if she gets her arm chopped off, like everyone else. It's gonna hurt. She's probably gonna freak out and cry. I just got my arm chopped off. You just got hit by like a 12 inch trollock blade thrown, you know, like these guys can like literally pick up boulders and smash things. And she just took it like a champ, rips it out, throws it on the ground and kills everybody, which was awesome. But at a technical point, I'm just like, nah, that's not that's not there. Um, you know, it, it just didn't line up. It was cool, though. It was really cool. And, and I give that whole scene a 10 as a movie watcher. As a technical watcher that wants it to be, you know, follow the books and stuff, I give it like a five, maybe a four because of Narg. Um, but, uh, and then the last bit I had, the Huron Mark Blade was cool. I was specifically looking for that when I saw him reach for his sword. I'm like, where's the Huron? And I saw it and I was excited. I saw it. I always imagined it being a little bit more intricate because they're power made weapons with the power from Aes Sedai from long ago. So I had always assumed they'd be not like, that kind of like looked black, like it was kind of blacksmith. Plain. Yeah, like blacksmith plane, you know, yeah. as opposed to like power rot amazing. And so I, I just kind of imagine it being a little bit more uh, dressed up, mm-hmm. you know. So, but but overall, man, that that scene, like I just I probably watched that scene three or four different times. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we got to see Daisy Conger in there, you know, <laughs> taking down the, yeah. the troll hawk, you know, with their little pitchfork and stuff. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. One thing we didn't get to see was uh, San Bowie and the other, oh, yeah. Other grumpy guy that's Congers and Coplins, right? The, the old geezers, right? They're just negative. I was hoping we see, you know, at least one of them say, hey, you know, throw an attitude or something. <laughs> But yeah, Daisy Conger yeah. was was pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, I don't know. Really good part. I thought that did a lot for the episode because it was such, I think it was something everyone was looking for. Yeah. Right? Like what's going to happen here? Yeah. 
I agree with pretty much everything you say. Um, I mean, she got that blade basically stabbed her in the heart or just above it. And she just pulled it out. Yeah, I'm good. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> just a flesh wound. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, uh, but it was still cool to watch. Like it was a great cinematography there. And to see like this, you know, it was almost like when you're watching a boxing movie and someone gets hit real hard and they just kind of wipe out, you know, wipe the blood off their chin and then throw down. That's kind of like what that yeah. was. Yeah. So um, we brought it up earlier with Perrin's wife. Uh, I think it is Layla. Is that what they're calling her? Um, there were rumors about this way back when, when they were writing it and showing certain I don't know, scripts on online, like the cover sheets and stuff. There did start to be whispers of that Perrin's going to be married and um, that she would die in this attack on the two rivers on Emmonsfield. And that's what we saw. Um, first of all, what do we think about Perrin being married to Layla, who has a couple words of dialogue and then dies? Uh, and what do we think about uh, Perrin killing her as a way to motivate him to, I don't know, whatever it is that is going to motivate him. Cause we don't really know where, where that fits into the rest of the story at this point. I have some theories that we can get into later, but um, I personally, I, yeah, let's, let's go to you, Kyle. What do you think about those two things? What do you think about the character and her dying? Totally and completely unnecessary. Totally and completely. I, I think uh, it was informed. I mean, it, on the subject of motivation, right? Yeah, Perrin's a little quiet in the first couple of books, but I mean, his whole family dies from a trollic attack. Isn't that, I mean, motivation enough downstream? I mean, for goodness sakes, I mean, he loses all of his family members and, you know, goes, I mean, granted that's later, right? But still, he, he loses all of, his all of his family members to the attack, right? And ultimately has you know, a, a myriad of other things they can draw on for, for motivation. So the fact that they fridged her for motivation's sake was, I think, a, a terrible yeah. decision. I think that was totally unnecessary. And what a throwaway of a character and kind of revisits an old trope that's been done a hundred million times in movies that really just didn't add any value in my opinion. Um, the character in and of herself, I mean, it was was fine. She had like one line. I, I mean, I think she, she looked like a blacksmith's wife. So, I mean, that, that, that's yeah. kind of cool, right? But I just, I think it was an unfortunate decision that, that they really could have mm -hmm. done without. So there's a theory out there that she's a dark friend. That when... <laughs> what, what, what does that... What does that add, though? I mean, yeah, she's dead. Exactly. Right? I mean, they kill her in the first few minutes. and they, yeah, Talk about things that don't matter. Ah. Why, you know, why, if she is, why? But the theory is, so right. when he turns around and stabs her with the axe, uh, she has, she's standing there behind him with the hammer raised. And so people think, oh, she was going to kill him. And so he just reacted. And so she was a dark friend there spying on him. Then why are the Trollocs attacking her too? <laughs> yeah. And 
we find right? out we find like, yeah. I, i've read that theory too and i agree it, it's a good theory it holds value because you see it right the trollocks dead then it kind of shows her in a weird position like she's gonna try to help Perrin, and he's down right but if she's a dark friend why are the trollocks attacking her too like nobody thought to say like hey fyi this guy who you're looking for one of them's gonna be married and she's a dark friend don't kill her yeah i i I don't understand um silliness unnecessary plus we know that um at this point in the story the dark friends are looking to capture the the taviran the emin fielders right they're not trying to kill them Mm -hmm. we see that later in episode three that they're trying to capture them take them to the fade so the fade can decide what to do so why would she be trying to kill one of the people they're trying to capture? Yeah. Um, I remember watching it. I watched it. Um, and the first thing I said was she's going to die. She had to die. If anybody was surprised that have read the book and has passed first grade, if those two things have happened, I promise you knew she was going to die. She, she had to die. She wasn't going to last. She wasn't going to survive. I mean, he has such a, who he, book, book alert, who, who he ends up with in the books, while it's not this huge character of the books, brings a, a big arc of value, right? So you can't rewrite that. That, that matters a lot later in the books. And um, so I knew she had to die. And I just thought it was silly. Like one, you aged him up. Cool. But then you married him. Just like, you know, like you said, like Kyle, like what value does this actually bring? You know, what trope, you know, it's got that trope in it, but what does that do for the arc? It does nothing. You know, this weird motivation and yada, yada. The only thing that I saw out of it, was where that that was the half moon X that he killed her with, right? Yep. The one that he takes him, but then you never you don't see it again, right? Like he doesn't actually pack it with him when they leave and take it. You don't see it, um, but that was the only thing uh, that I saw there. Um, I just I I knew she had to die, and I was pretty sure it was going to be in the first couple episodes, right? Because if um, she doesn't die, he doesn't go. He's not going to leave his wife to, you know, or she's going to go with them, which isn't part of the story. So yeah, she's, she's dead meat. Mm -hmm. I think it's a cheap way to get an uh, emotional reaction out of the audience when it doesn't need to be there in the first place. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I don't know. Uh, Unnecessary re re rewrite. It, it just doesn't bring value or take away. And maybe they'll tie it in some way later, but to what end, to what point, why does it matter? It, it doesn't. Here's my theory that they're using it to create. Uh, so he, he's depressed, which this is something that fundamentally changes parent, right? Cause before he was quiet, he was still a nice kid, but he, you know, having this, He's a murderer now. He killed his wife. Whether it was accidental or not, he views himself as a killer. And so now his character has changed. And is he's not the, the guy who we all liked in the books, right? 
So there's that, but then there, he's going to be dwelling on that. He's not going to tell anybody. And eventually he'll meet Fael and he'll tell her and she will help him get out of that funk that he's going to be in that is his mindset. And so it's being used to create a sympathetic, sympathetic and likable character in Fael because everyone hates Fael. So they're going to use this to try to get the audience to like her more because she's going to bring him out of that place that he's in that dark place is my theory, but that's, you know, a couple of seasons down the road. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if any, and if any character could use a rewrite, it is her, <laughs> please. Yeah. So like, it, like I, I can just see it. Every character gets some weird rewrite to their personality or whatever. And she is going to be exactly like we see in the books. <laughs> yeah. And then just going to go crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing with Fael is I actually started to like her the last couple of rereads. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. That means you like Winterheart. <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite. all right so i think there's a lot of um we have a lot of opinions about this episode because it is the foundation episode like it's like okay here's all these characters here's their situation and it's different than what we've been reading for the past 20 plus years right so there are going to be this episode is going to be like what the heck is this what is going on and i've noticed that in the the next two episodes that I've seen, I'm less picky about it. You kind of have to, once they leave Emmons Field because of the Trollocs, you kind of have to accept that this is what the story is and you have to go along on the journey. And so I've be, I was less critical of the next two episodes. There's still a couple of things, but they're, they're the, the minor things that don't really affect the story. And like we've said earlier, you know, we're have to separate it from the books and just go on this journey and see what we what we think about it at the end of the journey. Any final thoughts on this episode leave taking or have we addressed them all? Um, no, I mean, I think we addressed, I, I, I think final thoughts. Um, and I know it's something that we talked about in messaging. Um, Kyle asked, you know, you know, is it good? And I, I said, it depends how much you like the books. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really, for me, what this first episode was about is getting over my hump. Like I have this expectation. I've been reading this book for two, three, you know, 25 years, uh, you know, 20 years. And so it's, you know, this story is ingrained. I've read it multiple times. And, and so for me, it was hard, like to separate that. And, but it was important too to separate that because it is an act, a very adaptation, right? It's an adaptation that's loosely based on this. And now, and now I recognize it for what it's for. And so, you know, as a thought, you know, if, if you guys are super fans or if you're not super fans, you know, there's something here for you. And I, and I've already watched episode two and three, I'm waiting for episode four. So I'm excited for it. Um, even with all these grievances that I brought up, everything like that, you know, I'm able to like look at it and step away. Like depends how much you're a fan of a book. I'm a huge fan of the book. So I've got to separate the two and it's worth it because it, it does have 
some great shots, some great show and a good story to tell. So I think it's worth it. And I, I, you know, if you're like me and we're disappointed what you saw, go to episode two, knowing now, knowing what you should expect. And I think it gets better because mm-hmm. it did for me. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it just comes down to, you have to recognize it, that it's a separate story. It's a, it's an adaptation. I think, you know, at the very beginning, you know, just where it says inspired by, you know, books, you know, through the Wheel of Time. I think that's exactly what it is. It's inspired by. It is not the Wheel of Time. It is not the story as told by Robert Jordan. It's not. It's inspired by it, but it's not the story. And if you can get past that hump and that blocker, then, then I think you can appreciate it for what it is. You know, beautiful shots, beautiful cinematography. Um, great, great special effects and, and, you know, hopefully a good story down the road. And I think, I think it has the beginnings to be a good, a good story. Is it the wheel of time by Robert Jordan? No. Is it an interesting take on it in the same world? So far. Yeah. So far. And I, my rule of thumb is to give a new series, you know, watch the first four five, six episodes and see how it is. There are shows that I've started and I'm like, no, I'm not into this. And there's shows that I've started that I'm not initially that excited about, but by episode six, it grabs me because it takes a bit for the show to find their, their pacing, their, their rhythm, I guess you could say, and their groove. And once they hit that, they it's, it's good. So I'm willing to give that to this series, you know, wheel of time, been a big fan. So I'll, I'll watch this first season and see how it is at the end of the season. Uh, they, they're filming season two. So I'm sure I'll watch that too. And then hopefully it, it just captures my attention and we can keep enjoying it down the road. So on that note, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the fourth to in a wheel of time podcast. Well, you know, our therapy session, like I've, called it and if you have different opinions which i'm sure a lot of you will definitely send us an email let let us know what you think let us know where we're wrong let us know where we're right if you agree with us or disagree with us we're willing to have those conversations i feel like our criticisms are fair Uh, i don't think we're being negative just to be negative Um, our expectations were one thing and now we're getting another thing so there is going to be some disconnect for us there is going to be some criticisms and I don't think we're unfairly criticized anything. If we have, let us know. We'll talk about, we'll read your email on the show and we'll talk about it and kind of give, give our thoughts on that too. So, but we are grateful for you for listening. We will record episode two here shortly. The Wheel of Time is a weekly released show every Friday until they finally hit to the end of the season. I think there's eight episodes for the season. So for the next month, month and a half, I think the last episode is released Christmas weekend in December. So for the next month and a half, we'll be talking Wheel of Time and releasing these podcast episodes. So if you want to come back and check out episode two of our review of, of that show, that'd be great. And we want to thank you guys for, for checking us out once again. And may you find water and shade. See you guys. <laughs>